1: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: Welcome to Colorado Hunting Hub. This podcast is designed to talk about everything hunting in Colorado, whether you're a new hunter, old timer, or something else. LRO Hunting Hub will have something for you. I'm your host, Clint Whitley, and let's get started. Welcome to my podcast. And thanks to all those that have downloaded, listened, and are continuing to do so. I appreciate that. If you're new to the the show, I appreciate you also. And keep tuning in. Like I said before, if you didn't get anything out of this episode, you get one out of the next one. And I always like to thank the Facebook page, I Hunt Colorado for the support. Also, a shout-out to Onyx for donating our monthly Onyx giveaway. So if, check out the link in the show notes to register for that. because so we'll give that away at the end of the month. Also, follow Colorado Hunting Hub on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, give the podcast a five-star review if you could, if you're on Apple podcast and continue to enjoy listening. In this episode, we have Lyle from CPW to give us a lowdown on shed hunting straight from CPW. Some of you may not agree, really like the shedding hunting laws. can't say that I enjoy it, but it is the way it is and have to live with it. So as you will hear, Lyle is one of the original folks that worked on the project and with the hunting regulations and gives a good explanation for purpose for those rules so let's listen to what lyle has to say lyle i want to thank you for coming on to our podcast and i see your title and that's about all i know about you area wildlife manager for hot sulfur springs but could you introduce yourself a little bit
3: sure as you mentioned i'm the area wildlife manager in hot sulfur springs that uh that position is the supervisor for Parks and Wildlife uh, for a geographic area. My my area that I'm responsible for are Grand and Summit counties. Um, there are 18 AWMs around the state. Um, each have the same same job duties. My, uh, my background, I've been with Parks and Wildlife, formerly Division of Wildlife, since 1990. So I'm... Uh, I'm approaching 30 years. I, I worked as a district wildlife manager, our uh, Colorado game warden position in a couple different districts. I worked out on the eastern plains east of Colorado Springs and then uh, uh, had a, a transfer and worked the west end of the Grand Mesa out of uh, Palisade for for uh, uh, eight years and then uh, promoted up to this position here in Hot Sulphur Springs. Uh, it's been a it's been a great great run Um, this is a great area have a tremendous wildlife resource a lot of public land so uh, our mission of working for the uh, sportsmen of colorado this is a good place to do it
2: well 30 years that's a long that's, that's quite a long time i want to thank you for everything you've been doing for wildlife in that time and we uh asked you to come on today to talk to us a little bit about shed hunting. And we're, it's May 12th as we're recording this. So we're 12 days into the season and it's kind of a hot button issue. There's, it's relatively a new trend, I would say with more and more shed hunters. I just was at a friend's house the other day, last night and shed hunting come up and with a, we, we were chatting with some locals Local or native Coloradans, I should say, and everybody that's native says it wasn't like this. It wasn't like this, and so we've definitely grown and changed in this shed hunting world. But can you take a step back and just kind of walk us through maybe some of the shed hunting laws so we can just lay that
3: out? Sure. the The first um, regulation on on shed hunting um, was was uh, put into effect in two thousand six in the in the gunnison basin and that that regulation came about because of in that local area um the the local uh division of wildlife at that time uh saw an increase in shed hunting um saw uh that activity happening earlier and earlier every year and that um um, that being earlier, going as early as January and in our, uh, our high mountain parks in Colorado, Gunnison Basin, uh, Middle Park, North Park, those areas, that's, that's big game winter range. And they were seeing that activity as having an impact on, on the ability for our big game to survive, survive severe winters. And that, that's where it started and what was the reasoning for that first regulation um that uh so when when that happened it, it was anticipated that if there was a closure or a regulation prohibiting it for a time frame in one geographical part of the state that there there would be a a, a domino effect or trickle down that 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 then would push that activity into neighboring Areas and and that was certainly the case. We saw that happen. Uh, you couldn't hunt shed antlers in the in January, February, March, or April in Gunnison. So the people that were doing that there would go to uh, neighboring areas, and so we saw an increase in that pressure. Um, and that uh, that prompted another reg- regulation to go into effect in the the Eagle Valley, Eagle River area. Uh, Eagle Glenwood um, and that area Um, and that regulation went into effect and and then you know subsequently the neighboring areas saw that saw that same activity Um, the uh, uh, and that that went into effect in 2015 Um, where I'm at in Middle Park that that was when we saw the same trickle down or, or, uh, domino effect is that activity then, then kind of, when, if Eagle Valley's closed, then people that are doing that activity there are going to move next door. And we saw a, a big increase, um, in that amount of shed activity. And, and a, again, also earlier, um, shed active, shed hunting, uh, historically, you know, a lot of people participated in it, um, but it it got to be competitive they'd see somebody else out there and they'd have to go go earlier um and so we actually locally uh proposed a regulation to to have uh a closure on shed hunting in in our area and with what was being seen in other parts of the state um we we didn't gain traction uh up through our chain of command didn't want to see that just continuing and, and, uh, the decision was made that, you know, we need to, we need to put that off and look at a, a larger geographic area. Um, and 2017, we had a pretty severe winter in the Meeker area and the, there was an emergency regulation passed for the geographical area around Meeker to, uh, suspend shed hunting until a later date. Um, and then that was, that was kind of the impetus that. Uh, uh, we said, look, we get, we got to address this. It's not just those areas that are having issues. There's, uh, other parts of the state. And we went into the process of developing the regulation as you see it now that, that shows, um, it's west of I-25 and the, and the closure is from January 1st till the, till the end of April. Um, the, the, the language that went into that, that regulation and the justification it it's um and, and i speak about it locally being in in middle park um you know it's a it's the heart of of deer country um the winter range is is critically important to big game uh winter is a losing proposition for for big game uh particularly deer uh, they're going to lose weight going into the winter and depending on on the severity of the winter, the the amount of snow and the the temperatures, they they may or may not make it. And we've had uh, history in Colorado of of severe winters really knocking back our our deer populations. Um, the activity that we're seeing, that shed hunting activity, was going on right in the middle of that winter range, and uh, um, we uh, uh, we were seeing it earlier and earlier. And, and anecdotally, a uh, uh, incident. One of my one of my uh, district wildlife managers got a call from um, some folks that uh, uh, you know have have property adjacent to BLM. Saw these guys out in January on snowshoes, um, and and they're moving uh, large numbers of deer on the winter range. And when he contacted them, he asked them what they were doing, and they they said they were shed antler hunting. He asked him if they If they got any and they says, Oh, we saw a lot of deer, but they all still had their antlers on them. Well, if you're, if you're on snowshoes and the deer still have antlers on them, why were you out there pushing them across the landscape? And, and so that, that meets the definition, uh, within our regulations of harassment. Uh, and, and you know what, what is kind of lost on a lot of folks is, is that those, those deer are where they are because that's where they need to be. If it's just a subtle ridge that, that uh, um, reduces the wind, uh, they're able to hang out there for a couple days until they, they can move somewhere else. But if they get moved by somebody that is pursuing them or, or out trying to look for antlers on that same landscape that they're on, then they're being moved to a place that is not optimal for them. And, and with uh, mule deer populations across the West, declining um that is a continuing a continuing problem and so we we need to we needed to to move forward and and reduce that that um uh, that stress on those animals um and so the regulation uh went into f- effect March of t- 2018 um and uh the first full year of the the prohibition or the closure uh was 2019 so Jan- the closure being January 1st through through the end of April and uh so um that's uh that's the history of where we're at so 2020 we're the second year year into this um, um, the the covid thing threw a wrinkle into everything um the uh the, the public uh had to stay at home they were looking for things to do they were you know well I'm going to go shed hunting or I'm just going to go hiking, but uh, the way the regulation is written, if you're if you're picking up sheds, that's a that's that's illegal, regardless of of uh, if you were uh, you were hiking or walking your dog. Um, that's the that's the way it way it works. And so locally, I can't speak for across the landscape, and you know all areas west of I-25, but but we did see an increase in in folks out on that landscape in the winter range. And, uh, and we wrote a number of citations for for folks uh, uh, collecting collecting antlers during that closure so that's kind of that kind of brings us up to to where we're at now where the landscape is wide open and and folks are allowed to be out there uh, participating in that activity
2: you know I didn't realize the history be- behind Gunnison Valley Eagle Valley I've realized I've kind of learned that that Gunnison seems to have a different season of some sort where that, and I think it doesn't actually open until Friday or something like that, uh, but having some other regulation.
3: Yeah, actually Gunnison's a little, little bit different. The, 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 the origination of the shed antler hunting was regarding, uh, uh protecting big game on winter range. Um, but Gunnison's also unique in that it's the, the home of, of Gunnison sage grouse, which is a, uh, an endangered species. Uh, local working group uh, that, that assists us with management um, of those Gunnison sage grouse suggested that the extension on that, that closure, um, actually it's, a, it's a, a, a time period during the day so it's, it's open to shed hunting, but it's, uh, it's prohibited from sunset until 10 a.m. from May 5th or May, excuse me, May 1st through May 15th. And that's to, that's to protect, uh, Gunnison sage grouse while they're, they're doing their uh, breeding activity, which is typically first thing in the morning to try to, try to minimize that disturbance. So that's a, a little bit different wrinkle, uh, dealing with an endangered species.
2: And that's, that's something a, a lot of people or I would venture to say 99% of shed hunters don't even think about it, Didn't have a clue. I didn't. And I even, uh, have used the CPW's curriculum species question. I think it is for the Gunnison Sage Grouse. I've used that with some of my students in the past. And when that was a really, really hot topic issue or a discussion point and in the news and, and, uh. Uh, we we're figuring all those things out. So really interesting wrinkle like you said in, in that. And then also yeah. with the with the the covid connection, never well, I guess you could guess on that. And I some people have a little bit more time on their hands, their life is slowed down a little bit. One of the things that we can still go do is go on BLM. You know, we can still go recreate, we can ride our bikes, we can do all those those other sorts of things. And yeah, I suppose that that makes a lot of sense to see an increase in that shed hunting activity, which is almost kind of crazy to me to to think we've had an increase of of shed hunting to have an even more increase in shed hunting. That's that's got to be quite a right. quite a large number.
0: Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com And you know, a lot of
3: the A lot of the folks that, uh, that we had contact with, it it was, they, they were wanting to get out of the house and just go for a hike, but you know, they're, they're walking down the hill, carrying a set of, set of shed antlers. We've, we've got to deal with them just like the guy that did it on purpose, you know, and, and there's a certain amount of education. Um, and we, we have the broad spectrum of enforcement from, you know, I've said my whole career, we can, we can conduct enforcement by vigorously shaking our finger at somebody, or, or the other extreme is putting them in handcuffs and taking them to jail. That obviously isn't how we deal with shed hunters, but a lot of it is education. But in some instances, you know, it's writing a writing a citation that requires a a, a fine payment, so or an appearance in court. So, um, and there's there's other people that we dealt with this year that they were shed hunting and. They told us they were just going for a hike, but, you know, they tried to conceal the antlers from us and things like that. So there's, there's that, that, that whole spectrum of, of humanity out there as well.
2: Yeah. And then I had another question along those lines of why May 1st? Why did, why did that get, get chosen? And actually I had a I had a report from a buddy who was out hiking. He said he saw a little raghorn bull last weekend. I'm like. May 9th, still with his antlers on, <laughs> which is sure. seems really late. But why? Why May first? Yeah, 1st? it,
3: it uh, that's that's certainly not normal. Um, or and I shouldn't say that. I mean, there's there's I mean there's a wide variety. I mean, we see animals that lose their antlers in January, and, and but by far the majority of them should have already lost their antlers. Um, I, I I was intimately involved in the in the regulation. Um, and, the and the, the dates. Um, obviously, uh, snow cover on winter range in Middle Park is, is way different than, than it is west of I-25 around Trinidad. But that we had to, we had to pick something that was kind of universal to try to eliminate the confusion. I mean, if we said, well, it's May 15th in Middle Park, but it's you know april 15th in trinidad you know we have that almost a, a a different opening day sort of thing and and people move around and so you have everybody in the world looking for antlers in trinidad on april 1st or 15th and then they all move to to middle park on may 15th and so we we looked at what was being done in uh, uh the states surrounding us and pick the pick the date. Um, there certainly are years that we're still going to have some snow in, in, uh, and in and animals using using winter range in Middle Park um, uh, the first of May. But we felt like they have made it through the worst part of the winter. We certainly don't have the the sub zero temperatures that we have in January and February, um, and or the 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 uh, deep snows. That we can get in April and March, so May first was was picked, picked as the probably the date that probably fits best across the landscape and and kind of keeping in in uh, uh, in line with the the states around us as well.
2: Interesting. I know that's what I was just going to ask about connection to other states, but that you answered that. Uh, another thought I had off of something you said is increase in popularity over our pandemic, but what do you think the reason is or, uh, the purpose or or yes, the reason why shed hunting has gotten so popular and I couldn't put a date on it. Let's, let's say 20 years ago, probably wasn't quite as popular. Not people, not as many people out there doing it, Maybe an increase in 15 years, 10 years, probably a definite increase, five years, maybe even more. What is the what do you think the reason is for that increase in popularity?
3: You you know, I'm not I'm not sure. Um, Some people would would hang their hat on on economics. Um, I can't say uh, we do have local folks. I was going to say I I can't say that we have a, a big contingent of folks that that depend on that economically that they're going to you know sell everything that they they get and that's a way to make money there certainly are is that aspect and and you know I I there's some local guys that have paid for hunting trips to Alaska with the antlers that they they've picked up so so the the increase in the value um and I I can't I can't even tell you what that what that is but I do know that in 20 years that has changed there's a different uh um, there's a different market, you know, the, the, the dog chews and things like that is way different than what, what was available, you know, 20 years ago. I bought the only thing on the, you know, the only place to sell antlers was at Jackson Hole 25, 30 years ago. So there it definitely is a, is a different market. Um, but I think, you know, it's, a um, uh, something that, is just human nature. You know, it's an opportunity to, to break out of the winter doldrums and go get out on the landscape and, and spend some time in the woods. I think that, that has a, has a huge thing. And it's a, it, it has a, uh, you know, almost like an Easter egg hunt sort of thing. The excitement of being out there and, and, and finding something that's really cool.
2: Yeah. I, I took my, my parents are in South Dakota where I'm from and, They were here one March over spring break before the shed hunting laws and took my mom and dad for a four-wheeler ride and went on a little hike because she said, I want to go on a hike. And we're not, they're not big, big hikers, but took them out and was lucky enough to find a spot with some elk antlers. And she was shocked. It's just the, the hiking with a purpose, a little different kind of purpose. And that fun of that, that Easter egg like hunt for adults, which was, it, yeah. it was a fun memory for our family who were not looking at any sort of economic value there at all. I haven't sold a single shed and they're all just decoration and hanging out and they're just fun to, to, to have. But I do have a friend who runs an antler business and he could do that full time, but most of his antlers are coming from deer farms, elk farms, or those, those private locations uh, And and buying those, but yeah, the dog chews. That's his business now, which is which is kind yeah. of crazy. He has all his antler chews and in, in all the shields across the nation.
3: Yeah, you know, you mentioned the the four wheeler, and and in the discussions, uh, not and I, it isn't something that that we saw locally, but from my counterpart in the northwest part of the state, of uh, an increase in the use of ATVs in Searching for sheds and and driving across the landscape, you know, off off trail, and and the added stress to those those big game animals was uh, certainly mentioned out of the the, the Craig and Maybell area. So that uh, that might you know the 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 increase in the amount of people that have of of four wheelers and side by sides and things like that has certainly increased as well
2: hi uh it drives me nuts one of my spots i like to go hike in the spring is it's hit early and i know it and there's a dirt bike track that runs through oak brush and something no dirt biker would in their right mind would go driving through unless they were looking for antlers and it's just kind of sickening to see them go off the trail like that rip things up and i'm and a big old loud dirt bike i'm sure is ripping and roaring and harassing quite a bit but i've never seen that person i've just hiked yep. been five miles off the trail and here the dirt bike trail is cutting up to the oak brush and can't believe they're not dead under the over a cliff as a nasty terrain they're they're cruising through so yeah i i've seen that for sure what what is the the temperature of shed hunting with cpw it, it seems to me that it's not a not a likable thing maybe not maybe I'm wrong I don't know what's the can you speak on that
3: Sure now you know it, it goes back to to how it's evolved you know i I don't think that anybody would say that that within c p w that they are against shed hunting they're against the activity that causes stress on big game big game animals um, and you know once we have a regulation uh the uh, the, the bottom line is you know we need to enforce it if uh, regulations are worthless if there's no enforcement um so that uh, that that might be the perception that we're anti shed hunting we you know i can't say that anybody is anti shed hunting i think i think you know as any activity if it's if it's uh, people that participate in it do it ethically and there's no impact then then i think you know that's fine and i think may first you know um as long as you're not you know violating land use regulations, you know driving an ATV where you're not supposed to or you know things like that um and even even after May 1st you still need to be mindful of of how your um, your activity might be affecting the behavior of, of big game. You know, we may still have big game that are on the winter range that that could be impacted by it. You know, think about where you're going if there's a herd of elk above you on the ridgeline, you know, maybe go someplace else.
2: Yeah, and I hear a lot of complaints uh, from people saying, "Well, I'll just go early and I'll look for them, but I'm not going to touch them. I'll leave them there, or I'll go glass them up, or I'll go do, I'll still go for a hike, but I'm not quote unquote shed hunting." Can you address that as well? Uh, and- sure,
3: and and you know that uh, when we when we go through the regulation process, we try to we try to vet out all of the. The, the possibilities and uh, um, the uh, the definition uh within our within our regs uh collect means to search for locate stockpile, or possess shed antlers so searching for if if our officer is watching someone and it is perceived to be shed hunting. That the way they're somebody somebody out for a hike looks different than somebody that's shed hunting and you know we see we see people doing uh, grid patterns searching for for and they'll do it as a group um, and so it it just looks different and if you're you're only gonna mark them or know where they're at to go back, um, if a officer sees that behavior, they're going to talk to you about it and they may or may not write a ticket, but it's going to be, um, you know, your word against theirs. Uh, we had several contacts this year. You know, one that I can think of, um, uh, I remember very clearly a guy uh, was parked in an area accessing BLM, um, uh, caught a glimpse of him on the hillside above me with a dog. And there's a lot of, a lot of folks using dogs to collect shed antlers and uh we set up and watched him and and uh from you know several miles away one of our officers was watching him with a spotting scope and she said he he just looks like he's uh taking his dog for a walk and uh picking up rocks every once in a while and when he came down to the truck that's he said he was looking for fossils and uh, asked him what what kind of fossils And he reached in his pocket and pulled out some some fossil clams that he picked up. So, you know, um our officers are pretty, you know, they understand what's going on and uh, you know, that officer could see him. I I couldn't see him because of the the terrain, but she said, you know, he just looks like he's looking at rocks and well, that's that's what he was doing. Um hmm. quite quite the contrary. We've seen other people that they're it's pretty obvious. They're they're picking up antlers or they're they're spotting antlers or caching them or storing them for later. And and we deal with that accordingly.
2: Yeah, I I, I went out on opener, and I, that uh, that was something I definitely saw. Was uh, I woke up in the camper and five a.m. and vehicles going cruising by, and I was in a trophy unit, one of those more popular areas for for shed hunting, and the number of vehicles driving by, and they were there for one day. I can only imagine they were picking up stockpiles of stuff and it just irritated me. Cause I was following the rules, following the laws. And, and yet the blatant disregard for the law was, was frustrating <laughs> because here I am as a law abiding license holder. I don't need a license for shed hunting, but, uh, and here I am finding nothing when we had, uh, a variety of, of people, cheating and that was frustrating and to see why would you go why would why would you start your hike at at five o'clock in the dark (laughs) and you know unless you had one reason to go pick up your your pile
3: and and, you know it's it's uh uh i've I've mentioned human nature at at least once and that i think that's that's human nature you know folks they want to be the first ones out there and and bend the rules if they can get away with it, um, but you know shed hunting's really really no different than than poaching if they're out there you know participating in that activity during the closure and it, it may not may or may not be on the the radar of the of the local game warden Dwm, and you know we rely an awful lot on sportsmen during hunting season to to uh, tune us into what's going on. we can't, we can't be everywhere. Um, and, and it's a public resource that, you know, belongs to everybody as, as long as they obey the rules. And, you know, we, we, we dealt with several operation game thief calls related to shed hunting this, this spring. So, you know, um, figure out who the local DWM is and, and tune them in, you know, maybe that, maybe that drainage is a, I can't imagine it not being on the radar, but, but maybe that drainage wasn't on the radar and just, just let them know what you saw. Cause what you just described to me sounds very much like somebody had, had, uh, had been in there early and had a, had a cache. So that's, uh, we just need to know about it.
2: That was my first experience with a, with an opener like that. I've always seen boot tracks when I know they probably were, were there before, but what can an officer do with boot tracks when someone was there days before right. weeks
3: before? boot tracks is one thing but but if we're tuned in next year, you know working that drainage and and uh, uh, paying attention to that stuff, maybe we uh, maybe we get lucky and make a case on it.
2: Sure, that makes sense and I had another issue there that I almost did call on as I was three miles in and here comes a side by side cruising at the bottom of, of a drainage and i am pretty sure they weren't on a trail just cutting through at the bottom of something i was glassing and hiking and here they are in a for on a side by side but i wasn't sure quite if that was a trail or or what until i had gotten down there and and then by that time right yeah
3: we struggle with this during hunting season as well you know we 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 are focused on the, the 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 hunting aspect of enforcement and we're, we're tuned into the land management stuff, but, but, you know, technically that's a, a la you know, either the BLM or Forest Service or, or somebody else's. And we, we typically work with them, but, uh, and we may be able to deal with it depending on the circumstances, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, that, that's a, a resource of yours or the public's that's being, being, uh, used incorrectly too, you know, uh, uh ATV off trail. That can that can cause as much more damage down the road.
2: Yeah, and I, I heard something the other day about uh, how Oregon, I believe it was Oregon or Washington, how they can't run lines with dogs anymore, and that was 1996 or something that 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 law went into effect, and for about five years there was quite a few hound houndsmen still running their dogs and still doing that. But now there's a big reduction in houndsmen in that area. They're not doing it unless they, unless they're doing it legally. But there's there's far, far fewer. And I suppose it'll be a similar thing here where it'll just take a few years before that that uh culture and trend has uh, become more of a uh, this is the norm, because three years ago this shed hunting law was not the norm. And I spoke to someone a half hour ago that didn't know this was a was a law at all and many people don't and and i'm assuming a lot of recreators really don't either and that's my next question is a comment is that i hear a lot of complaints too about other recreators hikers and bikers and things that are covering similar terrain i know they're not gridding and and doing some of those things that shed hunters are but i hear a lot of hunters wanting to say well are we going to restrict any of those other recreators. Is that something you guys have thought about it at all?
3: Well, we certainly, we certainly thought about that in, in, uh, coming up with the regulation. Um, you, you know, the, and, and from CPW standpoint, I mean, we, we, um, our, our clientele, we, we work for sportsmen is, you know, the, uh, if we, if we prohibit it all, Foot traffic. We're also prohibiting the opportunity for somebody to take a kid out and go rabbit hunting on that same landscape. Um, the 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 big change. I mean, when we look at when I look at, at Middle Park again, what what's in my backyard, what I see every day, is we don't we don't see those other activities typically in in the winter range, and uh, so the the uh, and we have closures to protect that winter range. That, that, like, for snowmobiles and things like that. But we don't see that activity as, as prevalent as, as we were seeing with, uh, with shed hunting. Um, and, and that, that drive to get out there earlier or to beat somebody else out there. Um, something like that. So it, uh, um, in, in some cases, we have restricted those other activities because that winter range is so important. And, uh, and, and we have a number of, number of places that I know of locally. And then in other places that that winter range is pretty important. And we have, have closures to prohibit, prohibit, um, activities that could cause disturbance.
2: Yeah, I guess now I I can think of a couple of hunks of BLM that have winter range closer, closures, state wildlife areas that do, and state trust land even. And then with, uh. Now the new thing that just came through of having to have a license to going on state wildlife property, I suppose that, that would have a, have a piece, a, a impact there as well on controlling some of that, that recreating. And I am a shed hunter. I enjoy it. It's a fun thing to do on a weekend or springtime. And that's always been a kind of a nice time of the year to get out. It's not too, on the Western slope here in the high desert. It gets hot <laughs> and trying to avoid the rattlesnakes in that time of year is, is nice. Uh and it's fun to scout new areas and, and learn new property. But what should my approach be as a shed hunter to not negatively impact an area? I know you've kind of mentioned a couple of things, but specifically as a recreational shed hunter, someone that just does it on a weekend or I take my family, what how how can I not negatively impact?
3: Well, I think the, I, uh, I already mentioned it, you know, if it's, a even if it's after May 1st and you, you see, uh, a, a herd of deer or elk on the, on the ridgeline, you know, that's, that's the, the reasoning for the, for the, the, uh, the season or the closure, uh, is to protect those, those, uh, wintering big game animals. And they're probably past that in May, but, but think about that, you know, the, the, uh, moving them over to the next ridge is maybe someplace there. They're not, that's not the best place for them to be, that they want to be where they're at. Um, And then, you know, just, uh, just following the other, the other things, you know, locally we have the, the forest service has some hard closures on, on roads, but they also um, say that roads are closed uh, until conditions permit and there can be a lot of, a lot of damage caused by vehicles driving up wet roads, you know, that, uh, that, that has an impact um, to a different resource, but uh, just, just be aware of that. I think that's a, and, and, you know, um, the, the big thing that I, I kept hearing from avid shed hunters when we were, when we were working on this regulation is that, that, you know, it'd be a, a level playing field that, uh, and, and I still hear it, you know, the guy that, that as you mentioned you wait until the opener but you know there's guys out there that are cheating well you know as long as, as as long as everybody says you know let's follow the rules then then everything's good unless somebody decides that you know I want to be out there the week before or or you know the heck with the with the closure I, I'm going to do it like I always have that uh, that impacts everybody and it's a it's a public resource you know you, it, uh, it, it belongs to everybody.
2: Right. Right. And with that, how other things are managed in the state, has it ever come up about having a license, a shed hunting license or a class? I know Utah does a, for non-resident, I can't speak to that too much, but I know as a non-resident, I need to go take an online class of some sort. Has there been any sort of speak of further education or hunting license?
3: there it, it certainly was part of the discussion in in coming up with the regulation um the, the there was a, a discussion about a a license that uh that you'd have to have to have and and i the, honestly the 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 bulk of the discussion with the working group uh that was made up of shed hunters and and sportsmen's group and agency representatives was that uh it 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 wasn't a resource that should require a license, and that was the the, uh, the the message we went forward to the Parks and Wildlife Commission with. Gotcha, that makes sense.
2: And I got one more question for you. It's sort of relatable, but that kind of ends our shed hunting. But I'm gonna. I do. I'm an outdoor edu- education coordinator for a school district, and now kind of a podcaster, I guess. I am and sharing, encouraging people to get outdoors is my job. It's my passion. It's what I enjoy and the whole reason for this podcast. But however, sometimes I struggle with the three R's recruitment, reactivation, retention, uh, in reference to loving Colorado to death. And that's been a common phrase used. So I'm trying to, I, I struggle with that a little bit. My job and passion is to encourage people to use the outdoors. But yet we hear this phrase, "loving it to death," and then that's what it kind of relates to shed or it does relate to shed hunting. What's the balance? What kind of approach can I take to encourage people to recreate, but not be counterproductive to the cause?
3: So um, that's a that is a that that's a tough question, and I I don't know that I have a perfect answer for it. But it it's also highlighted within this uh, this COVID. New normal that we're dealing with um, in in my area, Grand and Summit County, Grand County has been pretty lightly impacted by the by the virus, but it's a it's an area that has a tremendous resource, both wildlife resource but but also public land and so this this area is the playground for you know f- three and a half million people that live two hours away. And, and we struggle with that. And, and during this pandemic, I think the, the, uh, the, the county commissioners are struggling with, with that because we have, um uh, you know, a, a rural infrastructure, you know, pretty limited medical resources, but this is where those people want to be. Um, we've got, uh, national park, uh, national forest, BLM, state wildlife areas, state trust lands. Um, it's, uh, it, it's really tough. And, and as more people move to Colorado, um, a lot of those are moving to the front range and, and those, these rural areas that have public land are where those people want to, want to be. They're moving here be for this lifestyle and this is where it, where it happens. So, you know, I, I, and, and there's a whole myriad of recreators that are competing for that space. It's, uh, mountain bikers and cross country skiers and shed hunters and archery hunters and fly fishermen um and we gotta we gotta get along with everybody i guess and that's a that's a the hard thing to do and and we also our agency struggles with we we want to get people outdoors um you know our our tagline now is live life outside um and and we get a little bit of well live life outside but not where i want to do it you know i don't, i don't want to be out, um, crowded where I'm. I'm doing my recreation, um, but it's all it's all public land, and and they have a right to be there too. <clears throat> regarding regarding shed hunting, I you know having seen the the evolution and and been involved in the, the regulation, I, one thing I'd like to point out is that I I think uh, compliance with the regulation has been very high. I I, I mentioned some. Some anecdotes of folks that we had contacted and issued tickets to, and what have you, um uh, which was a little up this year, and I'm attributing that to the covid thing but the since the regulation went into place in in two thousand eighteen i I honestly believe that we've had had good compliance and and actually seen uh uh examples where that, uh, we've seen a change in, in animal behavior. And, w- and one thing I'll, I'll throw out an aned- anecdote that I I think was, was phenomenal. Um, and it was, it was March 28th. Um, and I remember that date because, um, I and my officers were responding to an incident in Breckenridge where a lady, um, had, uh, took it upon herself to escort a moose out of the neighborhood and ended up getting beat up pretty bad. And, and, uh, uh, going to the hospital. So I was, I was responding to Breckenridge from, from Kremling And it was about, uh, you know, uh, sunset. So beautiful Alpenglow light. And I'm headed down Highway 9, uh, from Kremling, driving right through the heart of our winter range. And, and again, March 28th, the snow's off the, off the, the winter range. But I, I saw hundreds of elk and deer in the winter range that 3 years ago I don't think I would have seen in the winter range because the activity down there with shed hunters would have pushed them up into the into the trees and and it was just like I was I was trying to explain earlier that that's where those animals want to be at that time of year and if there's activity going on down there they they wouldn't have been there and so to me that's an example of this regulation is is working and 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 when I say hundreds I literally you probably three herds of over a hundred each of of elk, and then at least that many many deer in the sagebrush in the winter range. So I, I think it's I think it's working, and it, it's a testimony to the folks that are following the rules. So I, I think it's it it is a success,
2: and hopefully that helps with with those elk herds, deer herds, and all those things in those areas where numbers are are struggling. Uh, and, and that may be a a tough pill to swallow for some of us hunters to accept, or or to to those of us that don't see that as a pos- or a good byproduct that's going to come of this when there of those shed hunters that are complaining about having a law that they got to follow. So that's one of those good byproducts that's going to come out of this. Hopefully that 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 was seen by again, biologists who are making decisions for wildlife that it's based on the North American model of wildlife conservation. And I've defined that in this, this podcast before and we've walked through that reminding people what that is, or, or trying to educate people on what that is. And that's again, what I know you guys model off of and try and follow and use that science to to understand and how to manage our our wildlife. So that makes sense. I, I definitely yep. think you've enl- you've you've enlightened me for sure on on quite a few things. And I, I haven't. I, I will admit, in that first year maybe I complained a little bit on the shed hunting laws. Uh, <laughs> But 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 uh, like any other law, it's a law, and I got to follow it. And and now I'm okay that's that's the way it is the way it's going to be all right the same with trapping i I came from a state where I could use iron iron footholds and snares and come in here like okay cages it is is. will all we'll work with cages and so just a something that we have to accept and, and and may not fully understand the purpose and the complete reasons but hopefully this enlightens some other folks and and educates us to why so because i was for sure
3: i i hope so and i i hope you know if if uh uh, your listeners weren't aware of the history that it um it it did enlighten them and and kind of explains where where we got uh, where we came from and that it it wasn't an arbitrary decision there's things that we were seeing and and it's it uh, was a recommendation that we put forth that we felt was for the for the betterment of the resource.
2: Okay. Well, thanks again. I appreciate you you coming on and and chatting with us about about this hot topic push button issue or discussion uh, on the in the social media world. So, we'll share this out and and uh hopefully we get some positive response and like you said, you've seen some positive response to to that. So, uh for the masses, I'm sure this will just be a, a nice little Little educational piece, and we appreciate you taking the time and sharing your voice and, and your knowledge.
3: No problem. Thanks for the opportunity.
2: Right outside of this one
1: church town, there's a gold dirt road to a whole lot of nothing. Got a deed to the land, but it ain't my ground. This is God's country. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to HuntStand presents
3: Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.